It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Because he couldn't go to anything, but um, in terms of my sisters, like they 
they're big again into equestrian nothing nothing like rugby or anything like that it kind of um, which yeah sporty enough family and obviously you brought up in County Kildare and you played in sort of like the Leinster Schools Rugby Senior Cup side so you were sort of quite a high standard from early on what talking about like Leinster and the academy was that quite a big building step process for you yeah no it was I think uh, so it kind of works like it works differently, I suppose, in terms of you go into sub-academy first, and that's kind of at your Irish under-20s age, you're in sub-academy, so it gets very competitive from there, like, from under-20s, like, there was about, I'd say there's about 15 of us that were in, from Leinster, that were nearly in that under-20s kind of squad, and how many, eight or so of us got into the academy, you know, it's incredibly competitive, and um like at sub academy that you're unsure every week as to what's going to happen are you going to are you going to get the chance to progress into the academy or not but like i was fortunate enough i did play through the under 18s under 19s and again had successful years i think it does help when you're with good players you know james ryan max egan and then even from the irish under 20s as lads like jacob stockdale porter and such you know there's when there's a good grade of players there, it does help you kind of progress on because I suppose they're you're in a good team and they kind of want to get as many of you through as possible. I mean, Leinster's academy is incredible. Like it's just well known for being one of the best in the world. Is that completely due to it's the fact that there's always a competitive sort of aspect to it amongst sort of the players, or what what makes it so good? I think we're lucky because there's you know the club system and the school system you know produces a huge amount of players um and the competitive nature in those competitions uh i think is nearly what like the work is not that the work is done for leinster by the time we get there but like you know in the school system every year there's a school for example like i was in clongas which would have been a, a good rugby school but we never like in my year we didn't win a cup but like there's just the spread of players across the schools. It's just incredibly competitive. And I think, to be honest, that's where you get a huge amount of progression. And it's the same with club systems. The clubs are they have competitive competitions. And then by the time you get to the academy, uh, sub-academy, you know, you've done a lot of S&C. You've done a lot of skill work. Um, and so I suppose Leinster are fortunate in that way. Um, so looking forward, obviously, then you moved up from the Leinster Academy into the, like, the Leinster, you started getting involved with the senior side. Was that a very gradual transition, or was it suddenly one day you just got shoved upwards? Um, it was, well, I, you know, you're training from, from once a year in the academy, you're out training with the seniors. I think that was probably the biggest shock, you know, you're, you're kind of growing up looking at these players like Johnny Sexton and stuff as, uh, you know, they're superstars. And the next thing you're holding a pad getting smashed by them. So it was a bit of a bit of a reality check. But, yeah, I think um, I think the progression is quite quick. Like, one, I remember when I made my debut, um, I wasn't really in around the squad or anything. I was kind of training away. Nothing in particular was stood out to me. But next thing, it's like you get a tap on the shoulder. Yeah, you're involved next week that week flies by and to be honest I didn't see it coming um, and that was kind of cool you know you make your debut uh, like it's something again you've always dreamt of but uh, again it just happened so quickly that I remember at the time like it was only a few days after where you kind of actually get to take it in um, where you actually get to be like oh yeah like that was a special moment um, but yeah no it was cool. And was there anyone in particular when you first joined the senior side that you were sort of starstruck and mesmerized by? 
Um, I'm trying to think. Um, no, I remember like early on in the sessions, like not that, like again, like the likes of Johnny Sexton and stuff for the lads that kind of stood out. But I remember I'd say it was only one of my first sessions up, and I was, uh, I was holding the pad. I wasn't holding the pad. Sorry, I was just training against lads, and uh, I obviously got mistaken for another player. And Jack McGrath flew out of the line, and he absolutely smashed me like he honestly emptied my chest like i remember for i'd say about six months to a year like breathing if i was like breathing heavily i just the pain of it and i remember that was like that was early on and i was like what have i got myself into and then even in that same session you're seeing lads just laying into each other as in i think it must have just been a freak session because like i remember ty ty burn at the time was in leinster and i remember him getting smacked in the face by by something with shawnee but i was like jesus <laughs> What, what do you, what do you mean by um he thought you were someone else? Would he have not done it if it were you? Or because no, as in um there were scraps going on. Yeah, sorry, there were scraps going on in the session. So yeah, just before that there was the breakout where it was uh yeah. So I think Ty Byrne got a smack in the face off. Like I think it was Shawnee, and I think someone must have caught Jack McGrath in the face or something. I'm just there, kind of from a distance, kind of watching, and I. I'm not sure. I think it could have been Mick Kearney or someone like that. Someone that looked kind of similar to me. And obviously, I think he he must have thought it was me. So he probably thought it was a bit of a hard man, but no, he was mistaken. Talk about scraps and training. Is that quite a common thing where competitiveness just gets to a certain level? Yeah, like not like I remember that was just an unusual train, not an unusual train session, but that was just one kind of out of the blue, but. Every now and then, big weeks, it does kind of boil over a bit. Um, but it's respectable, as in, you know, you get, like, big weeks. Lads aren't getting selected, and, like, I've been in that position plenty of times where you're just frustrated. You're like, um, I don't know, you kind of give everything, and then when the big games come around, and you're not getting selected, it's frustrating. And I think, I don't know, it's a little slide, not slide things, but I suppose little digs are something that kind of boil you over the edge, and those, those scraps do kind of break out. But I think... To be honest, it's respectable, you know, at the end of the session there's hugs and kisses and uh, no, it's uh, it's all kind of it's all kind of blown over and just makes us better players. Yeah, completely. So then you mentioned you talked about your Leinster debut there. Obviously you said it took a few days for it to sink in. How did you did you know that you were always in line for debut when it happened or was it a bit of a surprise when you got told right, you're in the starting fifteen? No, yeah, just complete surprise to be honest. Like it was uh, yeah, I remember just that week. I'd say, yeah, just that week kind of sprung up in me. I, I wasn't play, training them particularly well. I did, and I didn't even realise that at that stage you're not seeing who's... Like, I think there could have been a few lads not available uh, through Ireland and stuff. And to be honest, it never even dawned on me that I was probably the next choice. You don't know where you are in the pecking order. At that age, you're kind of just going through the motions. Um, and to be honest, yeah, it did just kind of spring up on me. But again, it, it, it went well enough for me and I was happy. But um, yeah, no, it was unexpected. One thing that's been highlighted in your game particularly is obviously your defence and your tackle rate. Is that something that you pride yourself on? Or is there other bit? Is, is it the case that you're actually trying to work on other stuff to try and make yourself a better well-rounded player? Yeah, look, it's... You, I, don't, I wouldn't want to be like kind of, yeah, one-trick pony, but it is good to have that asset to your game. Um, but again, like I I have other areas of my game that I'm kind of working on. I probably haven't got to showcase as much on the pitch. 
Um, just through, I suppose I actually haven't got to play that much through injury and stuff. But yeah, like, you know, it is a part of my game that I worked on a huge amount. Um, and to be honest, it was good to see kind of all, it was kind of the, the fruit of a lot of hard work that went into kind of getting to that position I suppose that's being good at tackling and stuff you know through injuries I do work a lot on it um currently kind of rehabbing an injury at the moment and again I'm working on you know my tackle tech constantly trying to improve it but again you're trying to work on other bits your handling your your ball handling your carrying and they're just other elements of the game and I just want to keep kicking on it players like that that they have their one strength or do you think that for some people it is they've grown up sort of trying to work on all aspects and they are they might not have anything which is stand out they're just solid players all around yeah you, there's yeah i suppose you're right in that aspect there is definitely different styles of players you have sorry my my email keeps going off there sorry yeah there's definitely different styles of players um you have guys that again are just good at not just good at one thing but like they're known for one thing um, and then you have lads that are just incredibly consistent, you know, they're able to um, get injured rarely, you know what you're going to get from them, you're going to get an 80 minute, uh, 80 minute good game out of them and they're not going to cause many mistakes and stuff and you know that's a, a skill in itself, being able to you know be consistent in that element so you know, yeah there is that different kind of aspect to play. And I guess like when you when you look at Leinster squad as a whole, there's incredible amounts of players and sort of it's a star-studded forward pack and back line. But when you watch Leinster play, it almost seems like it's everyone sticking to the game plan and everyone follows it. And I guess you're just talking about people who are sort of have that ability to be able to do something because it, they not like a one-trick pony like you were saying, but they can sort of bring something. How how does the Leinster squad make sure that it's more like a team effort as opposed to a group of very impressive individuals? If that makes sense. Yeah, I yeah, like you know, like you said, the, you need players that like are able to kind of pull those moments out of nothing and kind of throw an offload and things. And that they're just special moments that only some players have. But yeah, I think the thing is first of all, for a good team you need to buy into a culture, you know, we have a very rich culture in Leinster, very attached to the history of how the club was kind of progressed over the few like the last number of years and even through the past. And then I suppose from then you yeah, all have to kind of buy into the style of rugby that we want to play, you know, in Leinster again from tradition as being kind of an ex not expansive but like a bot like an exciting team to watch and um I think players know that you have to buy into that um, and you know if you try to go off and do your own thing you're just not going to get selected because there's so many other good players that can literally step in and I suppose you yeah, have the same impact so yeah I think it's it is important to buy into whatever the team philosophy is. You mentioned earlier obviously that you're now recovering from your injury and obviously for you it was sort of it was quite a harsh abrupt end to what would probably be your breakthrough season. Have you talked us through like sort of your position now, like your rehab, how's it all going, but sort of also like what's happened, how you dealt with the situation? Yeah, like it was, it was quite unfortunate. It was the last uh, the training session was kind of done, um, coming up to that England game, and I was just doing a few extra bits, uh, just in a line out, went up awkwardly, uh, just the way I came down. I just did my MCL, but. Um, I did my MCL rehab that, and unfortunately, just uh, 
I was get, still getting problems with my knee um, and ended up just having a bit of meniscus damage. So that kind of set me back a good bit, uh, which was annoying because I suppose you kind of set out for however long and then and all of a sudden the kind of injury gets pushed out. But it is, it is frustrating that you do miss games and stuff, but I think um, I, I did deal with it well. Like, I, again, um, I have plenty of hobbies outside of rugby straight away. I was, I'm currently doing an internship with a company called Kitman, so I was trying to kick on with that, get bits done there. I do a bit of hopeless DJing on the side, um, try to do things like that. And then again, you're trying to brush up your knowledge on the game and brush up little parts of the game that again like your passing your skills your tackle but yeah it was a frustrating end to the season not how how i'd planned but then i suppose the season in itself i'd never actually expected for something like that to have happened to make my debut and whatnot what's your dj style then what what's your dj style what's, what's your sort of your music i'm on kind of uh, so i'm doing all kind of vinyl stuff so I do a bit of like house disco and stuff, kind of bang away at that, and yeah, no, it's good crack. Like it's um, still fairly useless. I've been at it, I'd say, around four to six months now, but um, I'm getting there. Do you think there's something with rugby players? Obviously, there's a few others who really spring to mind about who've gone to DJing. Is it just it's quite a fun thing, sort of like different to rugby that they go as a hobby? Obviously, James Haskell is one which springs straight to mind. Um, I'm not sure. I I definitely think because we would have a bit of time on our hands and um, like I used to be big into PlayStation um, and I was just putting endless hours into kind of FIFA and stuff and um, so I think DJing is kind of a cooler kind of hobby to pick up like you look at someone like like you know Keen Healy like he I, I chatted to him and he's just a funny man you know he DJed when he was like the whole way through he used to do gigs to um, he used to do DJing gigs all around Dublin and stuff, and that was nearly like it was, although it was part-time, he was also a very good DJ. But, like, mine's just, a, I kind of sit down past a few hours, and I think it's the same for a lot of other lads. It's just a way to get away from rugby and kind of relax for a bit. I guess going back to rugby, I want to quickly uh, touch on your Ireland debut. What What was that like? Yeah, look, that was a uh, yeah, really special moment. Um, again, that that is something, you know, you get to represent your country and it's something incredibly special. Um, it was obviously unfortunate. My parents weren't able to be there through COVID and stuff. And I'm actually, uh, my parents have played, what, nine games now. My parents still haven't got to see me in the flesh at their plane, but hopefully get back out there again. But, yeah, you know, it is, um, even with no fans and, um, and whatnot, you still get goosebumps kind of being out there. It, it was a weird sensation. And to be honest, it's not, again, it's kind of indescribable. Um, you know, you're kind of lining up before the game, kind of singing the anthems. And um, to be honest, it didn't feel real. It just felt like I was when I was a kid, you know, watching all the big games you watch, like Ireland v England and Crow Park and, you know, John Hayes crying. And you're in that similar situation. You're kind of in that, that line of players. And no, it was cool again um, to be able to do it. Like Hugo Keenan would be uh, one of my best mates. And to be able to do it with him as well, like our our dads and our families got on very well as well. So it was just that was another special moment to be able to have, have my debut with him as well.
Like, for some, if they use, like, a defender, a back and pace, they, their game, like, they play fine, a bit scratchy. But for you, I think you've got a man of match performance, you managed to nab yourself a try. I think you're a top, top tackle count as well. Is that sort of just, is that the icing on the cake? Yeah, I, I definitely think it, it was. Like, I think there's so, like, there's so many situations that play out in your head before the game in the week. You're like, oh, God forbid, it just, I had a shocking game or do you know we lose or whatever and so many I suppose negative things kind of play out in your head so for it to have gone the way it did and that was incredibly special like it was just yeah the icing on the cake but um, again the, the the real thing would be you know to be able to do it again in front of fans and to have my parents in there and that's that's the real goal now from here. And was there something that fueled that man of the match performance was it the nerves or was it just sort of you wanted to do it for someone or? Um, yeah, it's like, uh, I suppose there's so many, so many people you kind of want to do for, there's a lot of motivations and, um, again, it's just being kind of a, a proud Irishman as well. And I knew that, you know, at the time there's so many people struggling and I was just in such a lucky situation to be out there being able to play. And, you know, it is also just a thing that kind of plays out in your head. You know, it's, it's one of very few few teams that you get to represent the full island of Ireland, you know, obviously there's such a disgruntled pass between north and south and again it was just a special thing like that, you know, it was talked about even before, like the, it's one of the only teams you do get to kind of, I suppose, represent a somewhat, not a divided country, but where there has been troubles in the past and those, motiv- those motivations play out in your head as well just to have, I suppose, yeah, just to be part of that. It's a really rich, rich history and no, I really, really loved it. Was there anything that happened, like, was there any sort of initiation or, like, ceremony after the debut, which was pretty special for you as well? Or any funny stories, you know, from the initiations? No, the, our parents before, you know, they, uh, there was obviously four of us that made our debut on the day and um, they sent in like clips like kind of chatting through like let's say my granny sent in a good luck video and my mum and it was all kind of put together and that was that was nice um like yeah there was a you know usually because i was there the year before i obviously didn't get capped i was kind of in the camp and there's a big kind of uh there would be a big kind of initiation after but you know that doesn't really that didn't get to go ahead with covid which is fair enough but yeah i'd say there's a few few drinks i'd say coming my way if, if whenever we get back to it and uh, oh yeah sorry matt you go there you go for it so obviously the other thing is you played a little bit of sevens as well before you switched to 15s is that something that you potentially like to get back to or how does that come about um yeah no i i don't know if i go back to it now because i was fairly useless at it um <laughs> I, I was only good at kind of getting up for the kickoffs and getting the ball back but that, i suppose that's important in itself um but yeah that was that was some crack you know we we weren't on the world series or anything we were kind of traveling around playing kind of south african second team and stuff and we got to go to some cool places around the world like we're in south america and stuff and when it's, it, I suppose it was a similar bunch of lads that were at the Olympics and you know, they're just a great bunch of lads after the tournaments you're having a bit of bit of crack after but like to be honest I was fairly useless at sevens there was um, I didn't really bring too much again like I said I was kickoff specialist 
And I guess Ireland Sevens has had that incredible sort of rise um, over the past few years. Why why has it never been able to be at that sort of competing at the top level in the World Series and so on? Um, I don't know why like it wasn't kind of kicked on before. I think there was um, I think the RFU were just invested in the Wolfhounds at the time and then I think it diverted into the Sevens program and I suppose there, there's a lot of work to get them up to the World Series. Like a lot of people worked to, I suppose, that, that team to that place. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know why. I don't know why. Yeah, I think that's why it would for, but um, it is it is a good program, I think, for young lads coming through, especially when you're not getting that much exposure um, at senior level. I think it's a good good experience, especially now being on the World Series to play it, to play those kind of games for the year. And to finally finish off, we just want to quickly touch on the Lions fixture coming up this Saturday, which obviously you know a handful of players involved in there. What um what are your thoughts or sort of predictions for the up- upcoming fixture? Yeah, it's it's hard to know to be honest. I I did I, my my predictions have been completely wrong. I I thought the first game that South Africa are going to win, and then. I was sure the Lions were going to do it last weekend, so it's really just, it, I'm not going to, I can't really give any prediction because I'll be wrong, but uh, yeah, no, I think it's going to be incredibly confrontational. Hopefully now it's a bit more expansive than it has been, I think. Um, I, I Definitely the way the teams are kind of lining up a bit, it does look like they'll, the Lions will try to push it, push it a bit more, but yeah, it's going to be exciting, I'd say. What do you think of Gatlin's team selection? Obviously, there's been quite a big discussion about the six changes. Do you think he's made good changes, or do you think that some of them are quite surprising and maybe potentially go quite badly wrong? Ah, look, to be honest, any anyone in that squad, like even look at the players that aren't playing, like you line them out, they're going to have a huge impact. Um, I think it's there's yeah, there's not really too much to be said about the the kind of selections and stuff. Because to be honest, any any number of those players are going to have a huge impact. And, um, yeah, no, it's, it's hard. And as a player, what are, what are your thoughts on sort of the, the, not rivalry, but the discussions being held out off the pitch between Razzy Erasmus and Warren Gatland? Is it sort of, as a player, do you sort of get influenced by those things? Or? Um, to be honest, like, when I, like when I was even, like when I'm playing, to be honest, I kind of, delete Twitter, I don't have kind of the media platforms kind of coming through my phone, obviously I keep on Instagram and stuff, but I do try to kind of limit myself from what I'm seeing, kind of it's almost kind of all background noise that can, you don't you just don't want to be involved in it, you don't know what, you don't want to kind of be aware of it, so to be honest it's different coaches have their different strategies but most lads won't really pay much attention to it, like well, Will, thank you so much. Just before we finish, what's next for you? Like, obviously, your aim is obviously to win something, to start more ties to Leinster and make it up more Irish caps. But on like a more defined note, what what are you looking for next in the future of your career? Yeah, like they'd be kind of the overall goals to kind of kick on again with Leinster in Ireland. But I suppose my main goal is to just be—it's a weird one—but like to be available um, for those games. Uh, like last season, I think I played like two games for Leinster and then 
won nine games for Ireland, I've just I haven't actually given myself a proper crack. So, like, I'm excited for if I don't know if I can get my body right and be available for those games and for a long period of time. I I suppose it's. I'm just excited to see where I can go with it. And that's kind of, yeah, the main goal, just get myself right and just be available to play. And one thing we ask all of our guests is that their favourite moment in their career. Would yours, your Ireland debut, is there something else that particularly sticks out in your mind? It could be from international, professional, potentially something maybe not, which involves rugby, but not involves you playing. Um, yeah, obviously the Irish debut stands out uh, as, yeah, one of my favourite moments, but... Um, again, when I was in school, um, we played, um, it was the quarterfinals, but we played St. Michael's, um, who at the time would have had, again, top end players like James Ryan. They were kind of James Ryan, Max Egan, they were fairly star studded. Um, and uh, I just remember there was 10 minutes at the end of the game, we were on our line defending, and I don't know how many phases we went through, but I remember we managed to keep them out. And that was, to be honest, when you're representing a small school like that, if, and that was kind of my world at the time, that that was a huge moment in my um, in my life, and it kind of yeah again brings back emotions, you know, playing with your best friends, and we still have those moments to share. So no, that was definitely one of the greatest moments I've had. So sounds similar to something Freddie and I had experienced a couple of years ago, but. Will, thank you very much for um, coming onto our podcast and giving up time. It was lovely to hear about sort of the pathway from Leinster all the way up to Ireland and onto the future. And it was interesting just hearing about sort of why Leinster rugby and sort of is so powerful these days. But thank you. No bother at all. Thanks for having me on, lads. I appreciate it. and I'm a Loose Heads Ambassador, the mental health movement normalising the conversation in rugby. Head over to looseheads.co.uk and get 15% off at the checkout now with code TAPANGO. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favourite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.